Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ben, please stop staring out the window. We have a show to do. <laughs> I love it, man. It's snow. How's it going, everybody? Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday. February 3rd is just moments away, but before we get into this, we need to thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. Play the radio. The Chicago Federation of Labor sponsors. Play the radio. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show, along with every Ben Jarofsky show, is brought to you by... The Chicago Reader. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. Yes, Mr. President, yes. Yes, I voted for him. Yeah, I did. Proud of it, okay? <laughs> All right. Let's Play the radio. Today's song of the day. Well, I've never heard of it in my life, but it does come from Frank. It's by Petula Clark, downtown. Oh, my God. What? One of my favorites, seriously. When you lonely, life is making you lonely. You can't always go. Come on, D. Woo! Downtown. Downtown. All the words in the world. He's a help I know. Everybody. Downtown. All right, uh, people are having trouble hearing me. How about now? Can you hear me okay? John, can you hear me okay? He says, speak up, young Dennis. Damn. Is that good water? Good water. Is, that, is that good water? All right. For the love of God, John, where are you? <laughs> Poor John. <laughs> I guess we're just going to go without him. Hopefully you can hear me okay. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. All right. We're good. Thanks, John. Go, Johnny. It is Wednesday, February 3rd, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, Bon Voyage by Agus and legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Trump didn't do it Wednesday. And here's why. Dems released their brief on Trump's impeachment. Happened yesterday while we were on the show. Lays out the case for voting to convict him. Pretty obvious case. The dude incited a mag, a bunch of MAGA cultists to seize the Capitol. In the onslaught, five people killed. One a cop. Plus, they were hitting cops over the head with a hockey stick and fire extinguisher. Seems like any self-respecting law and order Republican would rush to join in. Which, uh... Like I always like to say, MAGA runs the Republican Party and Trump runs MAGA. And so the Republicans cower under their desks for fear of alienating President Donnie. Ben, Interesting uh, brief filed by Trump's lawyers. All the talk show hosts have been making fun of it because of all the misspellings. Apparently, they misspelled the name of the country. They spelled it Unitas, 
as opposed to United States. Come on, talk show host. Spelling's hard. You elitist snobs. Yeah. <laughs> you snobs. By the way, was your phone ringing? Springfield politicians. They promise they won't tax retirement income if their constitutional amendment passes. Let's get rid of that landline, buddy. Phyllis! Phyllis! We're, you know, I thought Phyllis was going to uh, apply for that internship job we had open a little while ago, but apparently... I guess she had other things to do. Anyway, it's been a long time since we heard from Philly. Uh, where was I? Oh, yes. Um, those elitist snobs, talk show hosts making fun of Trump's lawyers because they misspelled United. The reigning theory among talk show hosts is that Trump's lawyers are a bunch of nincompoops who rushed out a shoddy document. But I have my own interesting theory I'd like to share with you all. They're really just trying to show how cowardly Republicans are by getting them to sign on to a brief that misspells the name of the country. It's like, what can we do to show just how craven Republicans are? It's a very similar strategy to the one devised by mayors in the city of Chicago. Mayor Daley used to sit there before each city council meeting and go, what really stupid idea can I propose just to prove that aldermen will support any idiotic thing I propose? And so we came up with the idea of selling parking meters that are valued at at least $10 billion for $1 billion. And then he watched them overwhelmingly vote to approve it and defend it. Mayor Ron, by the way, has his own version of that. He goes, hmm, I know what I'll do. I'll close mental health clinics in high crime areas just to see how many aldermen will go along. 50 to nothing was the vote on that one, ladies and gentlemen. So the next time you North Side liberals, all smug and self-righteous, are feeling high and mighty about MAGA, just remember, you voted for Mayor Rahm, and you'll probably still be voting for him, at least like you guys on the North Side. Ben, you're so mean to Mayor Rahm. Ben, he was such a wonderful mayor. Anyway, back to Trump. It's a curious argument laid out by Trump's lawyers. Let me try to see if I can understand it. On the one hand, they say it is legitimate for him to claim that the election was stolen and that he, not Joey Biden, actually won, even though there's no proof at all to substantiate that. But if he believes it, it must be true. Then they turn right around. That's the sound of them turning right around. And they say, but since he's no longer the president, you can't impeach him. You can't vote to uh, convict him. And I'm like, come on, you don't have to be Earl Warren to know you can't have it both ways, Trump lawyers. If Donnie really won, then he's still the president. And if he's still the president in his little make-believe fantasy world in his brain, then we can vote to convict him. It's a legal theory that I just made up this morning while eating some delicious cornflakes. It's called... See a sucker, if so, no, no. <laughs> Just, I don't know. I wanted to say something vaguely Latin. That's the best I could come up with. That was good. Thank you. What can I say? It was over cornflakes. I need some Latin-like. It really doesn't matter what they argue, because there's no way, absolutely no way, that 18 Republican senators, excuse me, 17 Republican senators, which is what they need, will vote for conviction. They're madder right now at uh, Representative Liz Cheney than they are at Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yes, Marjorie Taylor Greene is a raving lunatic with anti-Semitic worldviews who stalks David Hogg while he's walking down the street. But at least she 
loves her president Donnie, and that's all that matters to MAGA. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson will be here talking about uh, MAGA and Trump and impeachment and Biden, and he's going to defend Lori Lightfoot. You know, D, it's hard to find people to defend Lori Lightfoot, and I'm really searching because I really, you know, I, I really want to have a what do they what did what did Fox call it? Fair and balanced. You know what I'm saying, D? It's like we're kind of hard on Lori Lightfoot in the school, but Monroe. Okay, from the safety of his sanctuary. He ain't leaving that house. It's like, I think teachers should go. <laughs> what about you, Monroe? You gonna go down the street? No, but teachers get in that classroom. He's ready to defend uh Lori Lightfoot. Well, good. Which, That's some new content on the program. We haven't had that in a while. Yeah, so we need a defense of Lori Lightfoot. Anytime you want to join in a defender, feel free, uh, Dr. D. Anyway. Plenty of political talk ahead. Before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man that Lori Lightfoot fondly calls Dr. D <laughs> with the news. <laughs> she may have called me that one time. I don't know. Hey there, <laughs> Dennis here. Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. We begin in Chicago, and if you haven't heard the news, yes, both St. Patrick's Day parades have been canceled for the second year in a row due to this damn dirty coronavirus. <laughs> what are we going to do, Ben? Uh, well, I'll still be doing what I always do, because I'm sure the coronavirus will still be with us. I'll be hiding in my house. I ain't going outside. Make those teachers go back to school, but I'm not going outside. First up, a quick update on the ongoing dispute between the Chicago Public Schools and the Chicago Teachers Union. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Nader Issa. About 3,700 Chicago Public Schools staff members have either received a COVID-19 vaccination or have been given the opportunity to sign up for one. The city's public health commissioner said this on Tuesday as negotiations continued between the school system and the Chicago Teachers Union over returning to in-person work. Vaccines have been central to the bargaining deadlock, with many educators fearful of being forced back into the classrooms without first having a chance to receive a shot. Health Commissioner Dr. Allison Arwadi declined on Tuesday to say how many vaccines the city will make available to CPS teachers every week, indicating CPS and CTU are discussing a vaccination strategy. Okay. Wow. Vaccines. You know, I'll say that I've been saying this uh, for the last week and I'll just say it again. Uh, we have a very strange country, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I, I just don't think this point can be emphasized enough. This is the greatest crisis, the greatest health crisis we face definitely in my lifetime. Uh, it's caused havoc for our economy, imperiled thousands and thousands of business and forced children all over the country, including those in Chicago to re learn remotely, which is a horrific, horrible thing. And the only way to get out of it is to vaccinate Americans. We got the vaccine, but somehow or other, we can't figure out how to make more of it because we got to make sure that only what two or three companies get it and they make their money and they got their deals and they dole it out in dribs and drabs. The stuff we accept on a normal basis, it is like Chicago. It, it, like in Chicago, people walk around and just accept as routine stupid things. 
like selling parking meters that are worth 10 billion for 1 billion because the mayor thought it was a great idea. It's a great idea. The mayor said it. We just walk through life accepting things that are just intolerant. We put up with them. So now there's this fight in Chicago over getting teachers to go back. The teachers saying, I don't think we should go back unless we're vaccinated. And the city's response is, we're going to vaccinate you, but it's going to take time because we don't have enough vaccines. So every day, I guess there's going to be an update, right, D? I guess we're going to get, this is going to be the new thing. Like along with how many people uh, have the virus and how many people have died from the virus and how many people uh, got the virus in this area and that area. Then we have a new number. The number of teachers who've either received a vaccine, it's like that sentence was crafted by some lawyer, by the way. It's that like when you first hear it, you think, oh, 3,000 teachers got the vaccine. Well, no, 3,000 teachers either got it or are eligible to get it and have good luck getting it once you, you know, you think you got it, but then you're told, no, you can't get it because why? Big Pharma's got to make its money. So that's the situation. By the way, I just like to give a shout out to uh, uh, Greg Pratt and uh, Yana Kunichov and Maya. Uh, last night, uh, we had a great, if I must say so myself, first Tuesday. Uh, a shout out to Sen, who is the uh, the new producer over at uh, the Hideout, who set it up, and he's the one who taught me. The I didn't, I could like back off. That's why I back yeah. away. So Sen, shout out to Sen. You know, but then I don't know. I kind of like moving closer because the further away I am from the mic, D, the more enticing it is to look outside the window. Yeah, that's not good. That is yeah. not good. <laughs> Sin, you're but awesome. It, but I mean, Ben loves looking out the window. Uh, oh, my God. There's a guy going through my car. Oh, for the love of God, focus, yeah. please. Please focus. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. But they did a great job. Yana uh, really did a great job in particular going through the differences between the teachers and the um, uh, the mayor. And Greg Pratt really took a great deep dive on the political ramifications of it. Uh, uh, one of the uh, interesting little side points uh, that Greg made was we, we asked, we talked to, we talked about um, J.B. Pritzker's role in all this and how silent, ah. <laughs> silent. J.P. Pritzker's got opinions about every restaurant on the north side of Chicago, every bar in uh, in northern Illinois. And he's particularly concerned about what? What is he concerned about? The convenience stores in Alton. By the way, D, tangent within a tangent, the New York Times had this really super cool, uh, what do they call it? Like, uh, interactive hoochie coochie thing. Oh, really? That's what they called it, huh? <laughs> Never heard that uh, terminology. A hoochie-coochie thing. It was so much fun. I, I spent about a half an hour at least going through it. So, like, you could type in any um, zip code or any city. Okay, that's the hoochie. What's that? That's the hoochie part. Now go on. Nope. And then you click go, and it would take you to that uh, district, and you can see how they, the people that voted in the presidential election in 2020, and then you can compare it to what happened in 2016. I believe they call it interactive graph. Whoa, anyway, whoa. I, you know, <laughs> but I like to call it a hoochie-coochie thing. Oh, my God. So I, at least a half hour, at least. And one of the things, you know, let me look up Alton. Dude, Alton's a lefty town. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm sorry. You come from a lefty town that I think it was 75% of the people voted for Biden in Alton. 
I didn't. And also, you kept this from me. There's a North Alton. You didn't tell me there was a North Alton and a West Alton. There's like all these different. <laughs> I didn't tell you that there's a, a top part of a town and a bottom part. Uh, it's the is North Alton as dimwitted as the North Side of Chicago, or is it you know? <laughs> North side of Chicago. We really like Rum. He's a, he's a great guy. Anyway, I really enjoyed that interactive map. That was a tangent within a tangent. But anyway, so uh, yeah, uh, Greg Pratt laid it out. He goes, Oh, I got this hoochie coochie thing, Ben. Now look, you look at it here. I got the graph. <laughs> All you got to do is type in any zip code. Uh, and so I was like looking up, where did my cousin live? I got a cousin in New Orleans. I looked that up. And then I go, what's Philadelphia? Because that's where my parents, I looked up Philadelphia. Then all these different areas in Los Angeles. I mean, it was really, you could spend a lot of time on that hoochie coochie thing. <laughs> we got to find a better name for that. Uh, so, <laughs> but back to Greg Pratt from the Tribune. Excellent point he made last night. Essentially, and I'm boiling it down to the essence Pritzker's afraid of Lori Lightfoot. You know what I'm saying? If he says something about questioning whether it's a good idea to send, but here's the thing. You know, this, this is the, this is this is this is the thing. We're gonna hear Monroe articulate this, and I was listening to Monroe talk about it. It's like bus drivers have to go uh, to work in a pandemic, and uh, a grocery store workers have to go. So why are teachers? Exempted. This is the logic, okay? You know, I mean, there are people that have to go, like police officers have to go, firefighters have to go to work in the pandemic, you know? So why exempt teachers? And so, well, I'm saying, well, you know, I mean, maybe you have gradations of essential workers and that in a pandemic, you just kind of limit uh, the number of people who are really, really, really essential. And I would argue that a grocery store clerk is more essential than let's say a teacher going into a classroom because you got to have groceries, right? You can't, you got to eat. <laughs> but I don't know that, 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 that was the uh, argument. And I'm sitting there uh, uh, listening to this argument. I'm thinking I would love to hear a JB Pritzker weigh in this, but he didn't want to weigh in on it because he's afraid of saying the wrong thing. And then have Lori Lightfoot treating him as like she would treat Byron Sichel Lopez, you know, or what other alderman is she mad at all the time? Oh, Raylo, Raymond Lopez. We'll get to him a little later in the mix. So Greg Pratt uh, raised a very good point. But D, I think ultimately what this is coming down to is this. And I'm going to, Monroe and I will disagree with him on this. But the powers that be in the city of Chicago have made it clear they can't allow a bunch of teachers in a teacher's union to tell them what to do. I think that's what this really boils down to. I just think that's what it is. You cannot, from their perspective, have a well-run, organized city if teachers and a teacher's union think they have the right to assert their authority. Can't do it, D. Next thing you know, podcast producers will be... (laughs) I just wanted to wake you up a little bit will be asserting their rights. So I think that's really what it is. That's when I was listening to Yana and Greg go through all the issues. I think it's really just the essence of it is, is like the powers that be that run this city, the civic leaders and the editorial leaders and the corporate leaders, they go like, uh-uh, come on, Mayor Lightfoot, we can't tolerate this anymore. They can negotiate their little salaries, and every now and then we'll give them a raise, 
But uh uh-uh. Nope. If we say get back in that classroom, you get back in that classroom. So I think that's what it's all about. Anyway, we're going to drop that this Sunday, I want to say. Right, Dave? Yeah, it'll be available for download. If you missed it, don't worry. We're going to throw it up for download on Sunday. Yeah, sure. ChicagoReader.com and wherever else you download podcasts. Yes, Brianna, only on the Benny J Show will you hear the term hoochie-coochie thing in regards to a voting map. That is correct. (laughs) And John, great question. So what's the actual website? You just called it a hoochie coochie thing. It's, it's a New uh, York Times question. It's at the New York Times. Uh, you know, I don't know. I have no idea. You go to the New York Times and look up interactive graph. You know, everybody's always. I, I have issues with because, like, people always say, "How do I get to listen to the Ben Jarowski show?" Remember that day? There'd be that pause, and I'd be like. How do I tell people? And all these boomers that used to listen to me on the radio station didn't make the transition because apparently they're lost when it comes to a podcast. So I'd be like, uh, how do I? And then it just hit me. Just Google my name. Just That's all you have to do. So same thing. Google New York Times interactive election map. Boom. You'll get it. Plus, you also see what's trending in Google right now. So you'll be hip. And know what's like people are talking about like right now. D, I'll do that for you since you asked. Yeah, uh-huh. you're welcome. All Thank right, you. Thank on. you. Go. And right now, number one trending search for Google is something I didn't even know about. Oh my! The Houston rodeo was canceled. Did you know that? <laughs> no, I did not. Oh, America! Let me click on it and see what the story is. Yeah, the Houston Livestock Show Rodeo announced the cancellation of Rodeo Houston. Why is that the number one trending thing? I don't know. People love rodeos, D. I, so, and hey, you, you know, way to go. Although it was a decade late, you're finally catching up on things. That's good. <laughs> yeah, you know, they say an old dog can't learn new tricks, but this old dog, I'm backed away from the microphone. Thank you, Sen. By the way, Sen is super cool. He's a jazz saxophonist. Loves Cannonball Adderley. So shout out to Sen over at the hideout. All right. No public events scheduled for our Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot this afternoon. But, you know, she has quite a few private ones going on. Why did that sound dirty? That was not meant to sound dirty. But, Ben, it happened again. Another person who has had to work with the mayor on a daily basis is handing in their resignation to no longer work with the mayor on a daily basis. If you want to talk about a separate issue, there will be a time and a place for that. But you are out of order, sir. I won't just turn the car around. I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out and I'm going to make you walk home. I don't want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100 percent full of shit is what I think. You know, Ben, for the life of me, I can't figure out why. (laughs) <laughs> we gotta get Raylo back I think that's I'm gonna uh, reach out to him after today's show the following comes from the Chicago Sun Times and Fran the woe man Spielman the headline reads Lightfoot's city council floor leader goes public with his resignation Alderman Gilbert Viegas of Ben what ward 36 oh, there you go uh, Gilbert Viegas went public Tuesday to announce the resignation he had told the mayor about six weeks ago Viegas was promptly replaced by rules committee chairman Michelle Harris the alderwoman of the 8th ward and the alderman of the 12th ward George Cardenas who will serve as deputy uh, as deputy floor leader we have the quote from Mayor Lightfoot Lightfoot said quote 
Alderman Harris brings years of experience in the city council, including a long history of working within the council to bridge divides and craft resident-focused legislation. I look forward to working with her in this new capacity and continuing to move Chicago forward in a more equitable and inclusive way. Michelle and George are smart, experienced, and respected by their colleagues. They will be a very dynamic team. Uh, what do you have to say about uh, Vegas? You know, I looked it all through, combed through that article. Not one word. Yeah. I'd say it's tough working for Lori Lightfoot. Uh, you know, look, uh, the article goes on to point out what we've, we've been talking about uh, a lot, and that is uh, that Lori Lightfoot uh, essentially threw a punch at the alderman in her inauguration speech, which – Remember that one day? I actually, you made me go to it and I went to it. You were yeah. like, one of, it was one of those things, get over to that spoke. And the, the reader was like, too, I wasn't going to go. You know, I didn't even have the excuse of the coronavirus. I just didn't want to leave my house. Everybody, come on, you got to go. So I went. Yeah, and you ruined it by riding your bike. <laughs> that was different. That was when I went to the city club. Oh, and my oh bike. sorry, and sorry. Like, oh, my God. What an old hippie. Uh, no, I didn't. It was cold, so I didn't ride my bike. Oh. I took the train, and um, I bumped into Maya. I love hanging out with Maya. I sat in the press row with the reporters. They were like, who are you? <laughs> Never seen you before. Uh, and, but anyway, she ripped uh, the ottoman in that speech. So the ottoman don't really like her, you know? Like, just gonna, I, and I don't, you know, I, I mean... <clears throat> I don't know. It's kind of gratuitous. It's sort of like Alderman and it's the Chicago Teachers Union. I think Mayor Lightfoot has this part of it is like she just really has a hard time letting go of grudges. And I've said this on the show. It's a, it's a trait that it's like it's kind of, people in my family have that trait. Some would say I have that trait. You know, it's really hard to let go of a grudge, D. And I'm, I'm just telling you, Mayor Lightfoot, just take it from an old guy. Who's, it's like sometimes you just got to let the grudges go. You know, and, and D knows this. He's laughing as I say this because he knows like somebody will say something to me 10 years ago and I'm still talking about that is it. Correct. But you just got to let it go, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Uh, so, you know, that's what I'm saying, man. Give Stacey Davis and Gates a call over to teachers union. Go have coffee. You're both basketball fans. Huh? You can let it, gotta let it go. And this thing with the alderman, man, she bought into this myth that alderman and prerogative was the uh, at the core of all that was wrong in the city of Chicago. And it was like, I, I can understand why she bought into it because everybody was just like, you know, feeding that myth. And so it's sort of like MAGA. I see a lot of correlation between behavior of people in Chicago and MAGA. They just want to believe in something so bad and if they just tell each other that it's true, then they believe it. So like MAGA goes around and says, the election was stolen from us. And Chicagoans go around saying, automated prerogative, even though it doesn't even exist for real. The mayor has more prerogative on any issue than any alderman. But let's just blame the alderman. Okay. So Lori Lightfoot's like, yeah, let's just blame the alderman. The, the Tribune will sign on. The Sun-Times will sign on. You know, even the lefties momentarily lost their way. They, they signed on to it. 
So yeah, so she came out swinging, D, and now guess what? I would say half the aldermen cannot stand her. <laughs> so you know, it's pretty hard. I feel bad for Viegas. You know what I'm saying? Could you imagine Viegas going up to Raylo and going, "I really need your vote in the mayor's budget," and Raylo, "Oh yeah." The same mayor told me I was uh, full of shit. That mayor? Is that the mayor? <laughs> you know, go up to Jeanette Taylor. Uh, JT, I really need your vote for the mayor's. But oh, <laughs> what, did, what did she tell JT? You know, I'll remember that. Won't get shit for me. Yeah, don't ask me for shit for the next three months. Yeah, like, huh? What? <laughs> So, so what, do, what do we know about Viegas, Ben? I know uh, you've been around a very, very long time. Uh, so in your experience uh, with Viegas, what do we know about him? Kind of a grumpy guy. Oh, okay. You know, kind of a grumpy guy. I had him on the the, the radio show. Uh, he was on, what was he talking I can't remember what he was talking about. But he didn't come into the studio. That's why you don't remember him. He was, uh, you know, over uh, a phone interview. He's just, you know, he's no Kelly Cassidy. You know what I mean? Everybody's like, Ben, you love Kelly Cassidy. We'll get into that a little while later. Yeah, I got my favorites. You know, there's no Raylo. I mean, Raylo and I don't see eye to eye on pretty much anything politically, but I like Raylo. He's fun to talk to. He's smart. You know, he's not afraid to give his opinions about things. So, um, yeah, he's, you know, he, I, he was like, yeah, we didn't have that spark. You know what I'm saying, D? You know, you, you've seen it. Me with certain aldermen I get along with. You know, Carlos Ramirez Rosa really like Carlos a lot. JT, I love JT. You know, there's certain aldermen that they got something to say and they're going to say it. And so Vegas is kind of a, he plays it close to his vest, one of those kind of guys. But he's a, uh, as I recall, I think he's a Marine. So he really is big on uh, veterans issues. Uh, but uh, I, I, I wasn't sure why she picked him anyway. Like he's not an outgoing, gregarious type. He's not a, uh, you know, um, what do they call that? Uh, an arm twister type. Uh, I, I don't know why she picked him in the first place, but uh, listen, man, what a thankless job that is. You know, <laughs> trying to round up votes for Lori Lightfoot in the city council after she gives an inauguration speech insulting the city council. It's not like Joe Biden. Joe Biden gets along with everyone, right, D? I like Republicans. That's my Joe Biden imitation. Right. <laughs> it's a better Joe Biden imitation. <laughs> Come on. Who, who said that? <laughs> so uh, it's just funny. It's Chicago right now. It's just kind of a uh, very odd state. Just a lot of acrimony, a lot of divisions, a lot of uncertainty. Be, be, be obvious. Most much of this, or a lot of this, is uh, brought on by the pandemic. We're all kind of losing our mind as a result of the pandemic. One more, one more time, asserting the absurdity of not having vaccines. We have a solution to the pandemic, but we got to make sure pharma makes its money. So we're going a little slow on that, the distribution, okay? So, uh, yeah, Dean, you know, he's kind of a keeps things to himself kind of guy. All right, so don't look for another interview with Viegas on the Ben Jarowski show anytime. <laughs> well, it was so. only three years ago that the last one took place. So. And like Ben said, let go of that grudge, would you? And, and for those wondering, Ben literally can't remember the name of the station that fired him. <laughs> he just literally can't remember. I know he says that, but he's, he can't remember. 
I remember it. It's WC later, alligator. <laughs> in a while, crocodile. <laughs> Let go of that grudge, man. Let go of that no, grudge. It's WC. We love tiffs. That's what it is. Yes. <laughs> ah, no grudge for me. I got no grudge. I'm grudge free. <laughs> it was WCPT eight twenty a.m. Our facts matter, by the way. Uh, unless they have to do with Tim. So then well, let's not discuss that then. <laughs> Neither Viegas nor Harris could be reached for comment, but France Spielman smoke. <laughs> I cannot talk today, but France Spielman spoke. That's a little tug twister there. Spielman spoke with a handful of city council members about Viegas. And according to Fran, the resignation came as no surprise to them. We have the quotes from those aldermen and we're going to read them. People, it's time for another episode of everyone's favorite daily Chicago political soap opera. It's episode 249 of A Mayor and Her Alderman. A Mayor and Her Alderman. Thank God. Science is back, baby. Science. Oh, Lord. Everybody loves science. Everybody's cool. We only go by the science. That's all we're doing, the science. So, the floor leader has fled. What do the aldermen have to say about it? Well, first up, I have a quote from the 24th Ward Alderman, Michael Scott. Michael Scott, by the way, the mayor's handpicked chairman of the city council's education committee. Michael Scott (laughs) spoke about the work relationship between Viegas and Lightfoot, saying, quote, it wasn't the best marriage in terms of a chief executive and her floor leader and the things they wanted to get done. Scott then took us down memory lane when Lightfoot (laughs) was first elected, saying, quote, that first day when she turned around and gestured to Alderman, a lot of them didn't take kindly to that. That was the start of the friction. In the relationship. If you don't foster those relationships, it's hard to right the ship. I don't know that she's done that with all of my colleagues. Michael Scott. Yeah, Michael Scott, 24th Ward. I knew his daddy. Uh, and uh, the original Michael Scott. May he rest in peace. Michael Scott does uh, the handpicked chair of the education committee, awfully silent. He's almost as silent as J.B. Pritzker on the whole school thing. <laughs> you know, those are the kind of committee chairs that uh, a mayor loves. All right, I'm going to put you in charge of the education committee, but I don't want you to actually say anything about education. Got it. Yeah, you're going to have a few jobs as the head of the committee chair, but don't say anything about education. Got it. I remember when uh, education, who was the head of the education committee during ROM? There was all the, the, the movement to have an elected school board. <laughs> oh, what a city Chicago is anyway. Uh, can't allow people to vote for school board reps. Are you kidding? That's democracy. Anyway, uh, and they would they would never have a hearing about it. And I'd be like, let's have a hearing about how TIFFs impact schools. No, no hearing on that either. Oh, we don't want to talk about that. So that's the thing, D. That's that's the problem. Traditionally, at least for the last, well, except for those four years when Mayor Washington, the greatest mayor city ever had, was the mayor. Uh, it's been a mayor completely controlling the city council and you only get to be the chair of a committee if you agree to do whatever the mayor says. So if you're the chair of the education committee, you're not supposed to ever ask about the siphoning off of millions and millions of property tax dollars from the schools to the TIFs. Don't ever ask about that. Okay. Uh, got it. Never ask about that, but you're allowed to opine on things like what the alderman's relationship with the mayor that that's all. That's what you can talk about. 
So, by the way, Michelle Harris, I think she's the chair of the Rules Committee. Uh, she's now the new floor leader. And the Rules Committee is the committee uh, where the mayor dispatches legislation that she never wants to hear from again. So that's perhaps the most. Can you imagine if they had like a rebellious person in the Rules Committee? They'd have to figure out another committee to bury legislation. So that was Alderman Michael Scott and his much expected middle of the road comments toward the floor leader's resignation. Next up, it's the Alderman of the 15th Ward and star of the Ben Jarofsky show. Hit audio drop. I want an answer. I want an answer. <laughs> it's Ray Lopez. Now, unlike Michael Scott, Ray Lopez has not been handpicked for any position in the Lightfoot administration. And let's face it, he never will be. So that could explain the following quote from Lopez. Lopez said of floor leader Viegas's resignation, quote, it's hard to be a floor leader to a mayor who doesn't listen. It's hard to be a floor leader or chairman, for that matter, to someone who doesn't value your opinion as something that is beneficial to advancing an agenda. The mayor's leadership team on the council are constantly sidelining each other's ordinances on behalf of the mayor. As floor leader, you have to try to wrangle those cats. Kind of weird. <laughs> wrangle those cats? Cats? Cats. C-A-T-S? C-A-T-S. It's a very difficult position when there's no clear leadership coming from the fifth floor which direction you want to go. Wow. Well, first of all, let me just point out, I'm going to defend Lori Lightfoot here. I don't think Lori Lightfoot is any worse or better at listening to Alderman than uh, Rahm Emanuel or Mayor Daly. And I, I just shake my head. And, and Raylo, you and I have had this uh, discussion slash debate on this, uh, uh, on, this uh, on this show, on this podcast. Uh, and I've had it with other Aldermen where they go down memory lane. Oh, Rom, really? really. Lori's not like Rom. Rom, listen to me. Rom didn't listen to you. <laughs> you just didn't speak out. Lori Lightfoot happened to become mayor of the city of Chicago at the very time where aldermen were decided, or a significant number of them decided, that the time when they would just be rubber stamps was over. First of all, they didn't fear the mayor. I don't. They were afraid of Rom. Rom had scared the hell out of them. You know, start calling them up, swearing, f bomb flying. I mean, the stuff that that Raylo had to put up with uh, Lori Lightfoot was nothing compared to what Rob did all the time. All of a sudden, now they're insulted by it. So you know, Lori Lightfoot, I understand. Yeah, you unfortunately, from your perspective, became mayor at a time where aldermen were feeling little bolder about their relationship to the mayor as they came to the conclusion that the mayor no longer had the power really to determine who was elected alderman and who wasn't. So you can defy a mayor. It's always been actually the case, by the way, but you know, aldermen, it took them a while for them to really catch on. So now there's a lot of them outspoken. So the, to justify their outspokenness now, as opposed to their silence when Mayor Rahm was the mayor, they go, Ben, yeah. Oh, my God, Mayor Rahm really listened to me. And I'm like, what? Give me one example. One example of something that Mayor Rahm listened to you that it wouldn't, wasn't easy for him to do anyway. What, what initiative did Mayor Rahm champion that he wasn't going to champion anyway because you told him that? So they can't because the reality is this. 
They went along with Mayor Rahm. They went along with Daly. They were afraid of Daly and Rahm, and they're not afraid of Lori Lightfoot. So Lori Lightfoot gets really upset with that, you know, <laughs> and says something she perhaps shouldn't say. But but in all honesty, D, I I don't think she's any more abusive than Rahm or Daly were. Just by the way, nobody ever taped Rahm lacing into uh, Raylo. You know what I'm saying? We got a tape of that. Can you imagine we had some Rom footage? We've been playing it all the time. Well, we we do. The only thing we got from Rom is I went on a bike ride. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it's no I want an answer, but yeah, pretty damn good. All right. Yeah, I went on a bike ride. I went up to the state of Michigan, and nobody wanted to talk about health care. Nobody wants health care. <laughs> that was the 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 pre populist Rom. Now the new Rom is we have to discuss health care. Oh, and don't forget. Nearly a thousand miles. Nearly a thousand <laughs> miles, man. That's a long ride. Oh, my God. Nearly a thousand miles. And not one person wanted to talk about health care. Anyway. Now, Finn, that was so. a very interesting quote we had from Ray Lopez. And I think it's a great <laughs> opportunity to add to that catalog of impressions of yours. Uh, how about uh, the impression, wrangle those cats? What's that sound like? Let's wrangle those cats. Oh, oh. All right, little like cat out of the bag, but we'll take yeah. it. <laughs> I can't think of uh, Raylo right now. His voice. I can't do a Raylo uh, imitation because you can't hear it in my head. You know, there's like other voices in my head. I'm, I don't want to make you guys think I'm like going insane, but the lunatic is on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the way to convince people you're not insane. Just start singing in the middle of talking. I, there's voices in my head right now. I, I don't want you to think I'm crazy, but there are other voices. And I can't hear. Like I can hear Dennis' voice, but I can't hear Raylo. So what an episode, Ben. <laughs> I can't wait to find out what happens next time. And who knows? That could be tomorrow because it's everyone's favorite daily Chicago political soap opera. A mayor and her alderman. <laughs> a mayor and her alderman. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit. Is what I think. <laughs> if you think we want to fuck you, then. What are you telling me? I'm full of shit. Good lord. <laughs> Do you never get tired of that? By the way, as if we haven't discussed a mayor and her alderman enough, by chance... Today at 4 o'clock, one of my favorite segments of the Ben Jarowski Show, Dave Gloatz will be here. Oh, yeah. Mr. City Council Dave Gloatz? Yes, a.k.a. Mr. Bike. Ring, ring goes the bell. And he's got all these clips from the last city council meeting and true to form. I've not heard any of them. It's going to be total improv. And we hear that great moment in the Ben Jarowski Show where Dave leans closer to the microphone and says, Dennis, play Lori. And Dennis is like, finally. You made Dave sound like a creep. <laughs> finally, a guy who understands podcasting. Like he sends me a tape. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, much so more helpful than D. Play that thing. Still. <laughs> that hoochie coochie thing. Oh, my God. Still doing that. All right, let's talk statewide news. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker's COVID vaccination site tour continues. The enemy is you. Oh, well, that was unnecessary, Governor. 
Today he is in Champaign, <laughs> Illinois. Nothing really to report on that, so let's move on. And people, well, I have a quick confession to make. <laughs> Before today's show, Ben shared some information with me. And, you know, often on our program, we source the work from one Rich Miller and his Illinois political news blog, Capital Facts. We call him the meanest Illinois political bulldog in the yard. Yeah. And Ben received an email from the bulldog yes. himself. And, well, while I was excited for him, I couldn't help but be taken over by sheer jealousy. I want an email from Rich Miller. <laughs> But Benny actually yeah. reached out to you about your latest Chicago Reader column on the senatorial shuffle happening at the moment with Senator Heather Staines, available now at ChicagoReader.com. Uh, ben, please tell us about this email. All right. Well, first of all, I, um, I wrote my Reader column. I talked about it uh, yesterday at length about the, the handoff going on uh, in the, what is it, the 7th Senatorial District on the north side of Chicago, where Heather Staines just out of nowhere decided she didn't want to be the senator anymore, uh, which leaves uh, creates a vacancy that is filled by the committeeman, the Democratic committeeman from that area. Uh, Kelly Cassidy is the state rep for the area. Uh, immediately uh, said that she wanted to be uh, considered uh, for the vacancy and that she is one of those committeemen, so she's going to get to vote. <laughs> so everybody's outraged. Oh, my God, the tribute is just like fuming, frothing at the mouth. Democrats acting badly. This is so undemocratic. Not, not one word from the tribute about the, you know, the Capitol Hill siege. Uh, what? Oh, we, we really only concentrate on local news, uh, so we're not going to write about that. Anyway, so I wrote a uh, column for the reader uh, talking about uh, the whole situation and going through some of the history of uh, other vacancies and how they've been filled. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, and so if, if you want to read it, uh, it's out there uh, in on the, uh, the Internet. <laughs> Have we posted on our Facebook wall? No, <laughs> we, we, uh, oh, your column social networking skills. Oh, dude, we stopped <laughs> or, doing that like a, years ago. Yeah. Anyway, it's out there. Just, it's, uh, just Google my name. You'll find it. Uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Anyway, Rich Miller, God bless him. It was a big day for me. He sent me an email, uh, and, uh, it was headline. What's the headline? Uh, well, geez, do you can't, uh, find the headline, but he goes, uh, you missed one LOL. <clears throat> and here's what he wrote. The great Rich Miller. Stain's departure may sound like an oddly abrupt decision for someone not being forced out by scandal, but it's commonplace in Illinois. Incumbent politicians often enter re-election races only to drop out after winning the primary or resign after taking office. The day before Staines announced her resignation, Senator Andy Menard, uh, D. Bunker Hill, left to take a job with Governor Pritzker. Yeah. Yeah, we, we talked about that one uh, for a while. Do you remember that? Uh, funny how they didn't mention Senate Republican leader Bill Brady resigning midterm at the same time. And D, that's the part of the email that really hit me. I'm like, oh, yeah, Bill Brady stepped out. I, I'm not sure this is like a sign of dementia or something. I either did we talk about that at all? Do you remember talking about that at all, D? Bill Brady. Yeah, I, I believe we it. talked about that. Do we? OK, yeah, I believe so. When I, when we when, when I was reading, I'm like, oh my god, I don't remember talking about that. But I do remember talking about Bill Brady like throwing his hat in the ring. He wants to be considered a gubernatorial candidate, and I was like, well, maybe he's not MAGA enough for uh, the Republicans uh, in uh, in the state of Illinois these days. But I hadn't really absorbed it. Yes, thank you, Rich Miller. More hypocrisy 
from Republicans, the, the Dastardly Tribune editorial writers, frothing at the mouth about uh, Heather Staines handing off her seat to Heather uh, to uh, Kelly Cassidy. And that one word about Billy Brady. So I'm like, yeah, let's see what's going on with there. And I took, I, I did a little search. So it's called investigative reporting. D. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard about this, but what you do, you see, is you type someone's name into Google and you click go. Huh? You too can be an investigative reporter. Thanks. And, uh, and I discovered that Republican committeeman, the leading uh, candidate to succeed Bill Brady is a gentleman named Tim Butler. Uh, who I, I had, I'll be honest with you, Dan, I was not aware of him. He's a state rep uh, from uh, Springfield. So I, I clicked on an article with him and I was happy to see something. Uh, article where uh, Tim Butler actually denounced the MAGA rioters. And uh, so I'm going to read this article that I discovered when I clicked on uh, Tim Butler. Bob Morgan, the Democratic state rep from Highwood, said, quote, Where's the humanity and where is the shame in reference to an attempted coup in Washington after a rally held by Republican President Donald Trump protesting the outcome of the presidential election? I'm reading. I don't know where I don't know what newspaper this is. I wish I wrote that. I think it's the Springfield newspaper. Anyway, Morgan, who is Jewish, also said he was aghast at a statement January 5th by U.S. Rep. Mary Miller, a Republican from Southern Illinois, in which Miller commended an approach taken by Nazi leader Adolf Hitler. Miller later apologized for her remarks. Okay, let me just take a moment here to write a clarification for this newspaper in uh, Southern Illinois. She said, quote, Adolf Hitler was right. <laughs> it wasn't like commending a pro- She literally said those words. And the approach that she, she was commending was this Nazi approach of taking children at a very early age and filling their head with all kinds of propaganda so that for the rest of their lives you would control them. All right? And her apology sucked. It's just one of the worst apologies I'd ever seen. It was more like blaming liberal reporters and their liberal media for making her apologize. That said, I think apologize should be in quotes. Uh, the article goes on. Butler, a former district chief of staff for U.S. Representative Rodney Davis and a former U.S. Uh, rep Ray LaHood said, quote, not everybody is staying silent. Republicans aren't silent. We just need more of us to speak up. And my Democratic friends, you've got to join with us, too. End of quote. I'm like, look, I'm happy the dude stood up. Okay, I really am. Any Republican who stands up. But Democratic friends, you got to join with us too? I can't think of any Democrat who's not denouncing uh, the uh, rioters. <laughs> it's not like Democrat. Like, but this guy is like twisting it to make it seem like the only people standing up are a couple of Republicans. Yeah, Democrats, we need you too. But anyway, I, listen, you know what, D? That's glass half empty. I should concentrate on glass half full. At least the dude stood up and said something. So I got to add him to the list. You know how I say it? So, well, you got Adam Kinzinger. I, I try to list all the Republicans uh, who are like, take a stand against MAGA. There's Adam Kinzinger in the state of Illinois. Uh, and then Durkin once in a while. You know, every now and then. <laughs> all right, I'll say something. He said something about the lady with the swastika on her sign. I got I to give him credit for that. 
I mean, the bar is so low with Republicans. So let me give a little shout out uh, to Tim Butler for taking a stand and a major shout out to uh, Rich Miller for sending me the email. And D, I'm telling you right now, you know how you always kid me about how I know every alderman in the city of Chicago? Guarantee you Rich Miller could have told you uh, what district Tim Butler's from, mm. who he worked for, what, what he did before he got this job, and who will succeed him if he is elevated to replace uh, Bill Brady. Oh, I, feel, I feel an Illinois political trivia contest between Rich Miller and Ben Jarofsky happening very, very soon. No, I uh, first of all, we should reach out to him, bring him on the show. Uh, but he would annihilate me Ooh. in Illinois trivia. Now we get to automatic trivia. Well, okay. Oh my! Then it may be, or maybe Chicago Bulls trivia. Man, we're not doing that. The whales are spinning in my head though on a uh, Illinois political trivia challenge podcast between Rich Miller and Ben Jarofsky. That would be awesome. I, I think it's it would be awesome. Uh, see if you can st- listen. If you can stump Rich Miller on an Illinois legislative trivia question, if you can do that, I'll double. The amount I paid you yesterday. Okay. Oh, excellent. And, <laughs> I'll get you a blue Mustang. Mustang Sally. Anyway, uh, yeah. thank you very much. Bring that up to Rich. Uh, I mean, you're going to have to email him because, well, he won't email me. <laughs> Come on, Rich. Oh, Lord. Oh, and, my God. And, I, uh, <laughs> what can I say, T? I got friends in high places, okay? (laughs) And finally, in case you were wondering if Illinois' top trend in 2020, getting really high, will continue in the new year, well, the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times, and who else? Tommy, two joints, Tom Shuba. Our monthly reefer sales report is in, and after selling a whopping $670 million worth of recreational marijuana during the first year of legalization, Illinois' pot shops reported record sales of $88 million in the month of January. While the implementation of Illinois' recreational pot program has been marred by an ongoing licensing controversy, the high times have largely kept rolling at dispensaries across the state. Boy, Shuba's just having a fun day here. Wait, did you write that or did that? That was Shuba. That that. was Shuba. High times are rolling? Hello, Tommy. Come on. Go ahead, dude. January January sales released Tuesday outpaced the $86 million reported in December. Last month, Illinois residents accounted for over $63 million in sales, and about $25 million went to out-of-state residents. Alyssa Jank, an analyst at the Brightfield Group, a cannabis research firm in the loop, said the continued growth of state's recreational cannabis program is encouraging. However, Jank added, Quote, I wouldn't expect constant upward trends every single month. She continued saying it will be a combination of more consumers entering the market, some products failing in price slightly, and changes in consumer frequency of use. What a buzzkill. Am I right, Ben? <laughs> I disagree with her wholeheartedly. People love their reefer. It's just the sales are going to go up. Now, maybe if she said, well, when the pandemic's over, maybe people will be smoking less reefer. I don't see that happening either. They'll just be smoking it outside as opposed to smoking it inside. I'll be down at the park. 
be walking along the lake and they'll be all getting high on those rocks, just like they've been getting high on the rocks uh, since the 70s when I would be walking along. Listen, the Tower of Power. That's getting high on the rocks, not getting high off the rocks. Just a clip. <laughs> dip every now and then, you come back, smoke a little more reefer. Uh, yeah, I love it when they go, oh, this is very interesting uh, dynamic. People are suddenly smoking marijuana. <laughs> Uh, no, they've been uh, smoking marijuana for a long time, and I think they'll continue to smoke it. What I what I don't know, D, and you can help me with this. Well, no, the old D can help me with this, but the new uh, clean D can't help me with this. Like, what's how is the uh, illegal market doing? You know, like your friend, the cookie guy down in uh, St. Louis. How's he doing? Is his business still thriving, or has legalized reefer? put him out of business. You get what I'm saying? Remember the guy that used to deliver by bicycle? Is his business still thriving or has, you know, the dispensaries put him out of business? That's the question. Hey, Tom, not telling you what story to do next. Take the deep dive on that one, my friend. There you take, go. A, take a little roll in that one. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, Tommy Shuba, one of the hardest working journalists in the city of Chicago. D, he wrote, he did the GameStop story last week. I sent him a text on that one. He did the, a story about, uh, this, you know, all the guys on Reddit making their trades. I saw GameStop plummeted 60%. Uh-oh. Monroe Anderson has joined us, ladies and gentlemen. Monroe Anderson, we've been talking about two of his favorite things, D. Reefer and the stock market. It's my new favorite segment when Monroe comes on while he's watching TV when he's on. He's my guy watching MSNBC to see what they're up to. Without Monroe, I wouldn't know what the hell they're talking about. All right, everybody. We're going to take a quick break here. When Monroe Anderson uh, gets ready, we're going to talk to him. So how about that, huh? Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more. Over 900 episodes at chicagoreader.com and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Make sure you reach out to us at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can always send us an email, Show at gmail.com. And yes, we have a phone number, 708-658-4788. That number again is 708-658-4788. 788. Reach out to the Ben Jarofsky show. Send us a voicemail. Send us an email. And there's a good chance we will play it or read it on the show. That is correct. That is correct. I want an answer. The enemy is you. Thank you. 